Sometimes we are really bad at predicting our future, aren't we? Uh, other times, we can be actually really good at it. Here, here's something you, you've heard. Uh, we've all actually said at some point in our lives, when it's in reference to a geographical, a geographical location, we've all said this at some point. We, we've said, um, <clears throat> I would have never gotten here without you. Right? Maybe getting into your neighborhood is really confusing, so you tell people, meet me at, at the top of my neighborhood. And like, no, no, I'll find my way. No, it's really confusing. Meet me at the top of my neighborhood and follow me in. You know, and, and you follow them in, it's a right and then two lefts and another right. And somehow they get there. And, and when they ask, like, man, thanks for having me meet you there. I, I would have never gotten here without you. I'll, I'll, I'll meet you in your office. And they're like, no, no, I, you're not going to find it. Meet me in the lobby. No, no, I'll come right to your office. Just meet me in the lobby and I'll get you there. And, you know, you meet in the lobby and you take some stairs and an elevator and you cross a breezeway and down a bunch of turns. And it's like, I would have never gotten here without you. At some point in our lives, we've all kind of, kind of said that, haven't we? We've all, we've all wound up somewhere and it's like we realize, man, if nobody was leading me there, if I wasn't following somebody, I would have never gotten there. Maybe you were taking a vacation and taking a trip and you just weren't sure. Maybe it was your phone and you just, you know, you thank Siri. Thank God for Siri because I would have never gotten here without her. But we've all said it in reference to a geographical location. But, but how many times do we think about that in terms of our life? I would have never gotten here. I would have never done this if it wasn't for you. As we, we talked through this series, we started this series, really, uh, we started with one simple principle, with one simple um, prediction, and that prediction was simply this. Uh, it's called the principle of the path, and it's that the direction, not intention, determines our destination. In week one, we talked about, about this, that direction determines your destination. And, and that when we think about driving, we understand that because the road run leads to the place we're going. And when we think about hiking, you know, we follow a trail and ultimately the, the trail run is going to lead us to our destination. When we think about biking, it's the same way. But oftentimes we, we kind of miss that connection with our life, right? We miss that, that whatever kind of road we're on financially is going to lead us to that destination, that, that it's the direction we're on in our marriage or in our relationships or, or how we're parenting or what the road we're on professionally, whatever road we're on, it ultimately is going Going to lead us to our destination, but we don't, often, we don't often think about that. And that's kind of what we talked about in week two, is that, is that we, we, we have good intentions, don't we? We all have good intentions for things to change. We all have good intentions to wind up somewhere, but, but very, very few of us have learned to, to kind of change directions to get to where we're going. We live life with great intentions. I have great intentions of being a good dad and being a good husband and, and, and running a good business or being a good leader or whatever it might be. But, but, I mean, we know the saying, right? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Because it's ultimately not intentions that determine your, your destination. It's your direction. What road are you on? And the road you're on, you might not want to believe you're on that road. But, but if you look at your life and you look at your spending, you see the road you're on. Even though your intentions might say, I'm, I'm trying to get here. The road I'm on is leading over here. So in week two, we talked about intentions. That it's ultimately not your intentions, but your directions that determine your destination. Another way of saying that is this, is that intentions really aren't good predictors. That our current behavior, that your current behavior, that maybe your, your boyfriend's current behavior, your girlfriend's current behavior, that their current behavior is a very good predictor of ultimately where they're going to end up. This is why parents kind of have this freak-out mode. Grandparents have this freak-out mode when they meet their, their son or their daughters or their grandson or their granddaughters, boyfriends, girlfriends, or fiance. Have you ever introduced your parents to a girlfriend and they just kind of freak out? They have this freak-out mode. Because for you, falling into that relationship, you're falling into love or, you know, whatever it is you're falling into in that relationship, it's kind of like a fog. You kind of fall into it. And I think that's kind of how love is. It's supposed to be a fog. You're overwhelmed. And all you can see is who this person is and who this person wants to be and what this person wants to become. You're just overwhelmed by who they are and what they intend to be and what they intend to do. But, but parents, parents, and if you're a parent and you have kids, you kind of know this. You see through that. 
You see more than what the person is. You see more than what they want to become. You can kind of see the intentions and you can see the road they're on. You have this, this good predictor. You, you, you kind of, you, you can see all of it. And, and then you, you just get overwhelmed. You get anxious. You, you, you have this kind of freak out mode of like, no, 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 no. You, I realize this isn't good for you, even though you can't see it. Because every parent knows this. That, that intentions don't determine your destination, but ultimately your direction does. Direction trumps intention every single time. Last week, we spent a lot of time talking about the disconnect between what we intend to do and what we intend to become and the direction that we're actually moving in. Speaking of last week, if if you didn't get to see last week's message, you should really do it. If you kind of checked out during the message or you weren't here and you didn't watch it uh, online later, you really should. Head out to our website, journeymain.com, listen to the message. It's a great place to listen to it, to share it with your friends. If, If you know of somebody who maybe needs to hear this message, or maybe it's you. Maybe you find yourself living a life that you're, you've intended uh, to, to make some good decisions. You've intended to get somewhere, but your life isn't lining up for it. You need to listen to last week's message. <clears throat> Today, we're going to focus on one word. And, and the word we're going to focus on is simply this. It's direction. We're going to focus on, on direction and what direction is. Specifically, I, I wanna, uh, I'm going to have a big ask today. And, and I, I know this is a little bit uncomfortable, and you might, you might find this a little uncomfortable. You might even, even be here and think to yourself, this isn't, this isn't um, exactly what I want to do. But, but here's, here's what I want to do this morning. I'm, I'm going to make a big ask, and I'm going to ask you this. For every person here that hasn't at one point in their life decided to follow Jesus, I'm going to ask you to follow Jesus. And that might make you a little bit uncomfortable if you're not a religious person, but, but before you check out of this message, here's why I find this so incredibly important. Because I believe this is the best decision somebody can make, that following Jesus, and not only following Jesus gives you this idea of an eternal life and a heaven, but following Jesus makes this life, the life you're in, better. Following Jesus helps you get to where you want to be because following Jesus will ultimately, ultimately lead you where you've always wanted to end up, but maybe didn't know how to get there. So if you find yourself here and maybe you're a little bit uncomfortable with this idea, you, you know, I don't go to church and I, I don't know God, here's what I want you to do. Just give me the next few minutes, hear what I have to say, and then at the end you can respond. And if you don't want to respond, you, can, you don't have to respond. But for every person here who hasn't made that decision, my prayer for you, my prayer for you all week, my prayer for you last night when I was praying with our kids when they went to bed, was that if you were here and you haven't decided to follow Jesus, that today would be the day that you say, you know what, enough running. I, I'm not headed where I want to be. And if I want to get there, Maybe I have to stop trying on my own because every effort I've made has failed. And maybe it's time for me to follow someone there. Today we're going to walk through an incredible story. <clears throat> it's a story out of John. It's a story that I think many of us, when we read, we kind of breeze through and we don't really pay attention to. But it's something that I think will make such an impact in our lives when we, we think about where we're headed and what Jesus can do and how that impacts us. You see, the, the, the reason I want to give you a, a, the big ask today is because when it comes to relationships, when it comes to people's relationships with God, I haven't met one person who ha- has said at some point in their life, if it hadn't been for Jesus, I would have never gotten here. Jesus, I would have never gotten here without you. When I think back over my life and the people I've talked to and the stories I've heard, they all kind of have this, this common thread. When we hear baptism stories, they all have this, this same idea that, that I was here where I didn't want to be, and then I met Jesus, and now I am where I want to be. That, that somewhere along the line, somehow in meeting Jesus, my life seemed to change. That, that somehow I wound up getting to where I've always wanted to go. That, that somehow something was different in me. Maybe my intentions were different. Maybe, maybe it was just my direction that changed. But without Jesus, I was here, and then I met Jesus, and now I'm here. It's where I've always wanted to be, and that's my hope for you. 
that if you find yourself wandering around with good intentions but not getting where you ultimately want to go, that this morning you would say, Jesus, I'm ready to follow you because I've tried and I failed. I, I, I've tried to make improvements in my marriage and I failed. I've, I've tried, to, I've tried to, to handle my money the right way, but I keep going into debt and I keep overspending and I keep borrowing when I don't have. I, I, I've tried to be a good parent. Right? I, we, we talk about all of the Ali's parentally and, and, and maritally and financially and academically and professionally. I, I've tried my best at all these things and my intentions were good, but I'm still not getting where I want to go. I'm still not headed in the direction that I ultimately want to be in. Because intentions, not direction, will determine your destination. And sometimes you can't ultimately get where you want to go unless you follow somebody there. So my hope for you this morning is that's what you'll do. You'll respond. And you'll surrender your entire life to Jesus. And maybe, just maybe, he'll get you where you've always wanted to be. So we're going to look at a passage of scripture. This is found in John, the gospel of John. John was one of Jesus' followers. John it has this, this incredible notion of who God is and, and who Jesus is. He, he, John, had, he outlived all, all of the other apostles. He was the, the last one to be alive. He had this, this amazing view of Jesus. If you've ever referred to God or thought of, of God is love, of God as love, you've got that from, from John. And really, that you, what you need to know is that's an entirely a Christian idea of God, that, that no other religion has that idea of God, that that came from Christianity, and that came really from John. And it didn't come from John because John's life was lovely. It came from John in spite of his life. His life wasn't lovely. His life was hard. He was, he was persecuted for his faith. But, but it came to John, this whole idea of God as love, because John looked in the face of love. And, and he had lunch with the face of love after love was persecuted and crucified and risen again. And then he watched love go on up to heaven and do whatever he was going to do. John saw all these things and he thought, you know, if this is it, if, if Jesus is love and Jesus is kind of God in a bod, then, then if Jesus is love, then surely God must be love. God had, John had this incredible idea that if Jesus is love, then ultimately God is love. John takes us to this amazing story. <clears throat> Jesus had just finished a 5K. He just fed 5,000 people. That's like a 5K for Jesus. <laughs> he fed 5,000 people on his own. <clears throat> You've heard this story, right? He gets this half meal from Long John Silver or so multiplies it, and there's all this food, and he feeds all these people. It's amazing. Well, that kind of wears Jesus out, so then he tells his disciples, hey, head over to the Sea of Galilee. I'll meet you over there. He, you know, he's still tired, but he finds the strength to walk across the water. No one gets it. I don't know how, but it's Jesus, so we... He, he did. He, you know, he walks across to the Sea of Galilee. The people, there's always this crowd of people that follow Jesus. And what we need to know before we start the story is in, in reference in the book of John, when he refers to the, to the disciples, he's not talking about the 12 or the 12 disciples we know. He's talking about the crowd, the hundreds, the, the thousands that followed Jesus everywhere he went. When he refers to the 12, he either calls them the 12 or he calls them the apostles. But in, in this, as we read through, he's going to make reference to the disciples. He's talking about this crowd of people. Everywhere Jesus went, there was this crowd of people. He's on the Sea of Galilee. He feeds 5,000 people. And then he says, you know what? The only way to get out of here is to cross the sea. So here I go. And he goes and he kind of walks across the sea. He takes a shortcut. The people can't follow him. But they kind of know where he's headed. So they walk around the peninsula, around the Sea of Galilee, and they go in to find Jesus. <clears throat> and when they find him, here's where our story picks up. Jesus is tired. He's exhausted. He's just done the thing. He gets to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. The people meet up with him. And here's where our story picks up. When they found him, this is Jesus. When they found Jesus on the other side of the lake, they asked him, 
And what they're really going to do is they're coming to him much like we do. They, they saw Jesus do this amazing thing, and they want something from Jesus. And much like us, they want it now. Jesus, I, I saw you do something amazing, and, and I want you to do that for me, and I want you to do it the way I want it, and I want you to do it right now. So they come up to Jesus, and they say this. Somebody kind of steps out from among the crowd. You have to imagine there's thousands of people. Somebody in the crowd gets up a nerve, and they come forward, and they say, Rabbi, and that's all they know how to refer to him as, is, is rabbi. He's really not a rabbi. He's so much more than that, but that's how they imagine him. Rabbi, and, and now they're, they're kind of buttering him up with, with their speech. Rabbi, hey, when did you get here? Hey, rabbi, when did you get here? I didn't know you were coming here. This is amazing. What a coincidence. And Jesus, knowing the hearts of man, kind of sees right through this, like, I know you followed me. I, I know you came here looking for me. Like, let, let's, let's cut the small talk, right? Cut the chit-chat. What, what, what are you here for? And Jesus says this, you're, you're looking for me. Not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. And what he's talking about is these miracles Jesus did, these amazing miracles. They weren't just kind of miracles for, for, for no man's sake, just to, like, to show off. Like, hey, look, I'm Jesus. Look what I can do. These miracles were signs, and all these signs pointed to something. They pointed to something new, to something bigger, to something better. And he's saying you, you, you kind of missed it. Like, you're, you're chasing these miracles. You're wanting, the, you're wanting this miracle. You're wanting this, this thing, but you're missing to what this thing points to. And that's the problem with signs. No one cares about the sign. No one loves the sign. But the sign is there to point you to something else. And Jesus is saying, all these signs, everything I've done, it's here to point you to something bigger. It's here to point you to something better. You're, you're concerned about, about food. You, really, you're just here because you're hungry. You've missed the point. It's not about this. It's not about the miracle. It's not about the bread. It's about what this points to. You're only here because you want me to make more food for you because you're hungry. And really, that's what they're there for. Because in this day and age, in this culture, when you fed people, people wanted to make you their king. There was a scarcity of food. And kings would come in and they would provide food for the people. And the people would love them. And the people would make him king. And that's what they want to make Jesus king. Jesus, you fed us. You gave us bread. And bread in these days was the only thing that kind of lasted. It could be preserved. It was portable. They loved it. Jesus, we love you. Make us more food. Jesus, give us more food. We want to make you our king. You gave us the food. I mean, imagine it. You, you wouldn't have to sit through boring campaign speeches and people interrupting your TV shows. Like, just give them some food and they'll make you king. <clears throat> That's how this culture operated. Then they ask him, hey, hey listen, we, we saw that thing you did, right? We, we saw, we, we, we kind of looked through the crowd. We couldn't see all of it. We saw that you got some food from this little boy and you kind of prayed over and gave it to your disciples and they handed it out and they just kept handing it out. And it, it's like, it never ran out. Like somehow God multiplied it. We couldn't see all of it. But Jesus, that's amazing. We want to know how you did that. What must we do to do the works of God? Because Jesus, that's awesome. Teach us how to do that trick. Really, that's what they're like. This is like magic. Show me how to do that because that's amazing. I don't ever want to have to bake bread again. I don't want to have to harvest. I don't want to have to mill it. I don't want to have to bake it. I'm, like teach me how to do that so I have this endless supply. Jesus answers, the work of, of God. And this, this is one of the most powerful statements he makes. And really, if you're watching, this is really what you need to hear. If you're here today, this is maybe the only thing you need to hear. The work of God is this. Are you ready? Believe in the one he sent. It's that simple. It, it, it's that profound. The work of God, the thing you need to know, the thing you can't miss, is that you need to believe in the one God sent. And Jesus knew this, but the people didn't understand all this. He's talking about himself. The work of God is this. Believe in me. 
Trust me and follow me. For years, you, you, you've been toiling, you've been spinning your wheels, you've been hoping in other things, you've been trying to get to a place you couldn't get to, your intentions were good, but your direction was wrong. I'm here to show you the better way. I'm here to bring the better way. I'm here to offer you life and to offer in all of its fullness, not just eternal life, but, but a life in view of eternity that has meaning and purpose and is fulfilling. Here's all you have to do. You ready? Trust me and follow me. Trust me and follow me. That's the work of God. Just trust me and follow me. This wasn't working. They didn't come for this message. The people came because they wanted something from Jesus and they wanted it now. Jesus, do your stuff. Perform another trick. Give us another miracle. Heal everybody with, whose name starts with R tomorrow. And on, you know, on, the, on Friday, you can give everybody whose name starts with the T all the money they need. And just, just be our, our wish list. We don't, we don't treat God that way, do we? Dear Heavenly Father, you know, we get right to the small chat. You know, thank you for this day. And, and now, God, give me. You see, they're doing exactly what we did. The crowds don't want to hear this. Crowds are a little bothered by this. They came for something, and they're not leaving with what they wanted. <clears throat> so a guy kind of steps out of the crowd. says, Jesus, you keep talking about signs. You keep talking about the signs you did. Oh, okay, here's a question for you. What sign will you give us that we may see it, this sign, and then believe you? Like, do another sign, and we'll believe you, Jesus. Oh, oh, and, and, and Jesus, like, you keep talking about these signs pointing in direction. What will you do? What sign will you give us? What will you do? What sign will you give us so that we might believe in you? And then the same guy who's asking this question, he goes on and it's kind of like, I imagine it this way, like, Jesus, this just kind of popped into my head. I didn't start the question with this in my mind, but, but as I'm saying it, this just kind of popped in, and this is so good. Here's the sign you can do. Do you remember our ancestors when they were in Egypt and they were slaves and, you know, Moses came and let my people go and Pharaoh let them go and, you know, they're on their way to the promised land, but that didn't really work out. So they spend years wandering around in the desert. Remember that story, Jesus? We all remember that story. Yeah, I remember the story. Do you remember what happened there? They were hungry and they prayed for food and God sent them manna. They didn't have to do anything. It was just they woke up and the food was there. Jesus, that's the sign. That's what you can do. He says this, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he, this is God, gave them bread from heaven to eat. But they interpreted he as Moses. That's all we want. Jesus, do that trick. That's the sign. You do that and we'll believe you. We'll believe anything you say, even though we don't understand it. Just give us what we want and give us it now. Give us our bread every day so we don't have to work for it. So we don't have to toil. Do that. And Jesus said, guys, you've missed it. Moses didn't provide this bread. This came from God, and, and the bread I'm talking about is so much bigger and so much better than, than, than the bread you can simply eat and fulfill in your stomach and be hungry again in a few hours. I'm talking about something that is so much bigger and so much better, and, and your little itty-bitty minds are just trapped right here. Jesus says to them, very truly, I, I tell you, it isn't Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father. It, it, it's God, our Father. He's the one who sent the bread and even though in ancient times he sent the bread to fulfill their stomachs, he's sending new bread now. He's sending new bread to fill you for a lifetime. He, Jesus goes on, he says, for the bread of heaven is of God, sorry, for the bread of God, and this is saying the bread that comes from God, the bread that God gives is the bread that comes down from heaven and it gives life to the world. Guys, I'm talking about so much, something so much bigger and better than just a few loaves of bread, than just a French baguette or an Italian country loaf. Like you've had that before. Yeah, it's good. Put some butter on it. It's delicious. But in a few hours, you're hungry. 
I'm offering something bigger. I'm offering something better. You're missing it. You're just worried about bread, but I'm offering you something that gives life to the world, something that you'll eat and you'll never be hungry again. And the crowd is just like lost. They have no idea what he's talking about. He goes on, he, <clears throat> somebody in the crowd now comes up again and, and you know, they refer to him as rabbi. They're kind of having all this small talk. And now this guy steps out of the crowd and he's like, he's curt, right? The, the, the politeness, the courtesy is gone. And he says, sir, like no more rabbi. Like I've lost my patience, sir. Always give us this bread. That's all we want. Just feed us and we'll be happy. Just give us a few donuts at the end of the day and we'll be good. We'll follow you anywhere. You're saying, guys, you've missed it. You, you've missed entirely what I'm saying. He, he follows up with this. I am the bread of life. You want to know the work of God? It's, it's me. Follow me, trust me, I will give you bread that, that, that will last a lifetime, that will lead you into a, a fulfilling life, into a life that you've never experienced. Follow me, and you'll experience life in the view of eternity. The people just couldn't get it. They're lost, they're angry, they're bothered, the crowd begins to grumble, they begin to turn on Jesus, and they're just, they're frustrated, right? They came for something physical, they came for a sign, they came for a miracle, and Jesus is saying, no, it's me. That's the point, that's the sign, that's where everything's pointing towards, towards me. The crowd begins to turn on Jesus, and, and, and we're talking thousands of people now hearing this. On hearing it, John tells us this, he says, on hearing it. Many of his disciples, this isn't the 12, this is the, the, the hundreds and the thousands, the crowd, said, this is hard teaching. Or in other words, this is harsh. I don't like this. Who can accept it? Or, or really, who can even listen to this and, and continue to follow you? This is ridiculous. And the crowd begins to disperse. The crowd begins to break up. The crowd begins to move on. And his disciples, <clears throat> if you can go to the next one for me. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this. This is the hundreds of people. Jesus kind of looks at them. And I imagine it's almost inquisitively like, really? Does this offend you? I'm offering you something so much better than what you've had. I'm offering you something that you've never had before. Something that would last a lifetime. Does, does this offend you? And they start leaving. And the crowd start walking away. And Jesus is just kind of sitting in my mind. I imagine a little bewildered. But the truth is, in light of Jesus' sermons, like this isn't his best. And, and that's hard for somebody who preaches sermons to critique, but, but it's confusing. They're utterly confused. His followers, his 12, they're confused. The crowd begins to disperse. These people that have followed Jesus for, for years since he was, you know, at the Jordan River and John the Baptist baptized them, <clears throat> they're there. They begin to lose. And, and here's the, the crazy thing. His disciples, or rather his apostles, the 12, they begin to get concerned because if the crowd disperses, they lose all their authority. If the crowd disperses, then the temple, the religious people, they can come and arrest Jesus. I've said this before, the reason they didn't arrest Jesus is because there was a crowd surrounding him. And they would have thousands of people against them. But if the crowd disperses, the temple henchmen come. This is why Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. This is why they had to come to Jesus at night and arrest him. Because the crowds were there and the crowds are dispersing, the crowds are leaving. And the disciples, the 12, I imagine, they're a little shaken up. I imagine they don't understand a lot of what Jesus is saying. They're a little bit confused by what's happening. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And I imagine the 12 are looking out like, yeah, there goes Justin. You know, he's been with us from the beginning. He's been with us from the Jordan River. There goes Phyllis. She's been a faithful follower for years. It's going to be so hard to see her go. But they're all missing something. 
They came looking for bread. And Jesus said, I'm giving you bread that will last a lifetime. The, the truth is, it'll be less filling. But it'll be so much more fulfilling. They couldn't see it. And then Jesus, watching his followers begin to disperse after th this message, he turns to the 12 and he says this. He says, you, you, my, my faithful 12, the guys who've been with me forever, you, you, you don't want to leave too, do you? You don't want to leave too. I mean, I know this is a little confusing. I know this is a little bit over your head, but, but you don't want to leave too, do you? And the truth is, I, I think they were ready to leave. I think that they were looking for an excuse, like, okay, we're just going to, like, stretch and kind of make a way. John, did you write this down? Make sure you write this down. Matthew, this is good. Write this down. We're going to go. And they just kind of duck out into the crowd and run. I, I imagine as Jesus is giving this message, the disciples kind of rallied and thought, you know what, we, we've got to, we're losing the crowd. We, we have to do something. This is so confusing. And, you know, Pe Peter's thinking, well, we'll come up and put our arm around Jesus. And, and hey, guys, we'll be right back. Just give us a minute. We're, we're going we're gonna to have a, Matthew's going to come up and he's going to tell you some tax collector jokes. We'll be right back. And then they get Jesus out and Jesus, you can't do this. Like, like you're losing the crowd. We don't even know what you're talking about. How are they supposed to know what you're talking about? <clears throat> do, do me a favor. Talk about, <clears throat> talk about uh, uh, prayer. People love when you talk about prayer. Talk about, about that guy who got beat up on the road and then someone came to rescue him just this time instead of making the Samaritan the, the hero, make a Jewish person the hero. They, they really love that. They love when you make the Jewish person the hero. Jesus, just to talk about that one, you know, and with the lost son and the coins and the sheep. Talk about anything but this because you're losing the crowd. You see, Jesus knew the hearts of man. He knew the crowd was going. And when he asked this question, you don't want to leave too, do you? He knew where their hearts were. Simon Peter speaks up. Simon Peter, the same guy who's a little bit of a coward towards the end of Jesus' life, he's not a courageous man. He speaks up for the disciples. He says this, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, yeah, we want to go. We don't understand, and this is confusing, and it sounds really hard, but, but, but I, I've kind of looked over our past, I, I've looked over our experiences, and I'm left with this question, Jesus. To whom would we go? Who, who would we, like, where would we go, Jesus? We know we want to get somewhere and we don't know how to get there. And, and yes, this is confusing. And yes, this is hard. And people are leaving and we're a little scared. But, but who else can take us there? You have the words. You, you've done it. You know where you're going. Nobody has ever done what you've done. Nobody's ever said what you've said. Yeah, I, I kind of want to leave right now. But Jesus, to whom would we go? If not you, then who? If not Jesus, if, if not following you, Jesus, I don't know where else to go. Like, yeah, it might be easier for me in this moment to change my direction, but I'm not sure that that direction is going to take me to the destination I ultimately want. Jesus, I, I, I'm lost. I'm confused. To whom would you go? After all, Jesus, you've offered me something that nobody else has. You have the words of eternal life. You, you, you've offered something that nobody else can offer, this eternal life. And when he's offering this eternal life, we've got to kind of expand our thinking. This is bigger than I'm going to live and I'm going to die and I'm going to go to heaven. Jesus is saying, I'm offering you this life that you view in, in kind of the view of eternity. You live in view of eternity. He kicks off the bookends, the beginning of the end. Yes, you have this finite time, but you live it in view of eternity and everything has this new meaning. Every decision you make has this new meaning. Your marriage has new meaning. Your finances have new meaning. Sacrifice has new meaning. What, what was viewed in the, 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 the views of a finite life is viewed as a sacrifice. But in eternity, it's not viewed as a sacrifice. It's viewed as an investment. 
He said, I can offer you a life that is so much more fulfilling, that isn't just eternal life to come with me, but a life on this earth that has new meaning, that has new purpose, that, that, that will blow your mind. That's what you've always wanted, but you never knew how to get. Jesus, you've offered us that. If not you, then who? Where? Who would we go to? Jesus, after all, we've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. To whom shall we go? To whom shall I go? Every time I, I, I think about this message, I think about this kind of point in the story. I think, man, the, the disciples were just like me. I've wrestled and I've doubted and I've thought, is this really what I want to do? And, and I'm assuming it's much like you where you've sat and you've listened and you've heard and, and there's just been this lingering doubt. Isn't it comforting to know that the men who followed Jesus, who saw Jesus, who witnessed what he did, had the same doubts you did? But ultimately, they had to answer a question that you have to answer. If not Jesus, then who? If not Christianity, then what? See, we're all going to follow something or someone. And the question you need to answer this morning, if it's not Jesus, then who? Who will you go? Who will you follow? I remember a point in my life where I came so incredibly close to just kind of abandoning my faith and unfollowing God. I was a senior in high school, and for years, my, my dad had been telling me, you know, you're going to go into ministry, and you're going to preach, and my pastor had been telling me, and other people had been telling me, but, but inside, even though I smiled when they said, I said, yeah, that's awesome, I didn't want it. I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't, I, I didn't want to lead a church. I had dreams about working in the computer field and making millions of dollars and marrying a beautiful wife, and thankfully, that part came true, but, but I, had, I had all these aspirations of a life that I wanted to live, and the idea of ministry seemed so, seemed so narrow and so binding and so not what I had intended. And one night as a senior, I'm in a youth meeting, and, and, and you know, we're kind of worshiping, we're singing songs, and we're praying, and, and somebody comes over and he prays for me, and as he's praying for me, I, just, I remember thinking, uh, like, with all of the doubt and with all of the struggle, with all these thoughts swarming through my head, like, like I'm about to commit my career to Jesus. Like, Christianity has been good to me. Like, I love it. All my friends go to church. I grew up in church. This is awesome. My, my dad, he taught me to memorize scriptures so that when I had struggles in my life, I knew what the Bible would say about these struggles. I, Christianity was great for me. But did I really want to commit my career and my life? This means I'd have to find and marry a woman who, who wanted to marry a pastor. And like my options like narrowed down like, whoo, that's good luck. I'd have kids and these kids would be pastor's kids. There's no avoiding it. Like, is this what I wanted? And I remember that night sitting there thinking about it and this thought kind of, but, but if not Jesus, then who? Like, if you're not going to follow me, Jim, who are you going to follow? And I thought to myself, with all of my doubts, with all of my worries, with all of my fears, you're right. Where else would I go? What else would I do? Nobody has made the offer that Jesus has offered. And my guess is that you sit here and you hear these words week in and week out, and you have the same doubts and you have the same concerns. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but. The question you have to answer this morning is, if it's not Jesus, then who? If it's not Christianity, then what? And I know I'm guessing you're wondering, yeah, but, but why should I even believe this? Why should I even believe this offer of eternal life? And here's why. It's really simple. Because Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, James, the brother of Jesus, all said not only did Jesus offer it, 
but he punctuated it by predicting his own death and his own resurrection, and then he did it. And that's why you can believe it. Because I doubted. When I saw him die on the cross, I doubted. And then three days later, I'm having lunch with him. That's why you can believe. You see, it's, it's, sometimes it's a struggle for us to get there in our minds. But I am so glad I decided to stay following Jesus. The truth is, if I knew about this and I knew about you back then, it wouldn't have even been a thought in my mind. But I didn't know. I didn't see the road. I didn't see the destination. Only Jesus knew where I needed to be and knew how to get me there. All I had to do was trust and follow. So this morning, would you be willing? Would you be willing to trust and to follow Jesus? Your intentions may be good, but they're not taking you where you want to be. If you know that about your life and you know you want to end up somewhere different, but you can't see the road to get there, maybe it's because you haven't been following Jesus. The truth is, when it's all said and done, you'll be glad you did. I am. Not a day goes by that I'm not thankful that I follow Jesus. You see, following Jesus isn't always easy. But let's be honest, life isn't always easy. Following Jesus is always better. So would you be willing to surrender to his direction? Turn to him. Trust him with your destination. I've asked Chris to come and close with a, a song. It's a worship song that, that I love. And in this moment, I'm going to ask no one to leave, no one to get up. Even if your kids need you, just give us a few moments out of respect for people who might be making this decision. It's a worship song that, that I've loved for years and years. And, and it, it, there's a second part in the verse that, that, I, that I just... It means so much to me. I want to read it to you so I don't mess the words up. In the second part of the song, the words say this. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today. There's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrow and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus, just like he was in the first century, is calling question for you is will you respond will today be the day that you decide to trust and to follow him here's what i want to do as he's singing you can sit and you can think you can sit and pray you can stand you can stand and sing for some of you you may want to mark this day as a day that you'll never forget and do something that that might seem a little bit uncomfortable you may want to leave the place you're sitting and come down front to the altar and, and just kneel bring a friend with you if you're nervous but my prayer for you is that today would be the day that you'll look back on for the rest of your life and think that was the day. I, I, I believed, but I doubted, and I had struggles, and I had worries, and I had fears, but, but I overcame them, and I decided this day to trust Jesus with my entire life. The truth is, you'll be so glad if you do. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person here. God, I thank you for this incredible message, God, that Jesus God, he's always asking that he can offer us something so much better than we ever thought or we ever imagined. And all we have to do is believe, to trust him, and to follow him. 
God, for every person here, God, that has never decided to follow Jesus, God, I pray in this moment you would give them the strength to overcome their doubts, their fears. God, as we sing this song, that the answers would come to their questions, that they could stand and say, today is the day that I decided to change my life forever and follow Jesus. My intentions were good, but my direction was off, and I'm following Jesus. I'm submitting myself to his direction to get the life, God, that I've always imagined. Give them the wisdom and the courage to do that this morning. In Jesus' name.